Good morning. What a great start for a great new year. I'm loving the weather outside, and I'm loving the spirit that's in here. So those of you that are creatures of routine are probably thinking right now, what are we doing? We didn't have enough songs at the start, and is this going to be a one-hour service? The answer is no. It's, we're still going to do more things, and we're still going to sing more at the end. And it, I think it's kind of a nice thing for us today just to kick all of those expectations out the window. And this morning, I'm talking about being a church that worships God. So I thought after we talk about worship, we should probably worship some. So I'm going to preach a little bit. Then we're going to sing. And uh, then we're going to have communion. Can I encourage you with this thought? I think a new year is a great time just to reexamine things and check it out. Can I encourage you to push away every tendency that's in your heart that pushes you toward routine of church and approach it with a fresh understanding that God wants to do something in your life today that is special, that is new, that is fresh and we need to forget about all the other issues. So we're looking at uh, a new year. I had trouble coming up with the series title. I had some different things. We talked about kingdom strong, kingdom culture, things of God, different things. And I, I try to put in a handle that's going to be easy for you to grab hold of. It'll be a five-week series. I'm going to talk about five habits of healthy churches. Let me break down what that means for you personally. Five habits of healthy Christians. Because the church can only be as healthy as the individual people are. And here's one thing I want to just really challenge you with today, and I'm going to do my best to challenge you every week with my example, with my words. Can we come into God's house with expectation? Can we come into God's house prepared to hear from him? Have you ever had a conversation, or maybe the other way around, have someone having a conversation with you, and it's about three minutes into it that you realize you're not really listening that well? And you have to say, oh, wait, hang on, back up, and I missed part of that. First of all, that's a really bad habit. <laughs> Confession is good for the soul. But it's even worse when it applies to the way we enter into God's presence. Listen to me. God has something special for you today. The Holy Spirit is so awesome that he's not going to just give a general thought out there. He will personalize everything that you need in your life today, and he'll do it in ways that are beyond human ability. The Holy Spirit shows up to help us when we gather in his name. I believe that. So this morning, I'm going to talk about five habits, and I'm going to talk about the first habit. We'll talk about the next four in the next four weeks. The first habit, I'm going to give you all five today. Normally, you give the first one the next week, you give the first and second, and you give the first, second, and third the third week. You kind of just build on it. But I thought, you need to hear all five of these all five weeks, so they're all here for you. Let me start, first of all, about what a habit is. I think this is a good, good definition a habit is a settled or regular tendency or practice especially one that is hard to give up. 
Now, we normally think about that as a negative thing, like something that's awful. But isn't it, wouldn't it be great if we had the habit of faithful attendance to God's house and it's hard for us to miss? Here's what I know about life. If we're not careful, life lulls us into a position of complacency. It's a natural tendency. We have to be determined to push against that and remain in a place of vibrancy. We're not going to just kind of, well, just keep doing what we're doing and hopefully one day it'll all come to an end and we'll go to Jesus and we're gonna seize the day. You need to get with me now because it's gonna be this way for a while. We need to seize the day. We need to make it count. We need to be looking forward to what we can accomplish and achieve for God individually and corporatively. So let's, let's look at some scripture to start with. This will kind of be thematic for the, the entire series. Colossians 3, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible is Colossians 3. And toward the end of it, it says this. Since God chose you, somebody ought to shout right there. Get your shouter tuned up and ready, okay? Be attentive with it. God chose you to be the holy people he loves. This keeps getting better. Therefore, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. I just talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We need to replace the, the habit of grumbling with the habit of gratitude. How many of you discovered that grumbling does not improve your environment? It, it, it doesn't. It irritates whoever you're grumbling at. It makes you feel lousy. So, so what would you call doing something that you understand the outcome is going to be negative and repeating that activity? Yeah, you, you can come up with a lot of words right there. None of them are good. So what's the remedy? How about changing your approach? Instead of grumbling, I'm going to express gratitude. It will change your environment. Paul says, always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that God gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I'm always uh, uh, very concerned about never taking words out of context, and I feel like i got to set them up for you every time. This verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 comes after a passage where Paul's talking about people having different opinions about food that's been offered as a sacrifice, because should you eat it, not eat it, should you drink this, not drink this, how should you act? And he says, first of all, there's more to, to worshiping God than those kind of things, but he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
So the five habits that we're looking at today, the first one is this, worship God sincerely. Next week, we're going to look at encourage each other continually. Can you help me out this morning? How many of you would like to belong to any organization that was built on the premise of mutual encouragement? I would look forward to going to those meetings. I'm not talking about false praise. I'm not talking about just kind of looking over everything. Sometimes encouragement comes when you're not doing well and somebody's saying to you, you can do better than that. You have it within you to achieve more than that. It's not everybody coming around going, you're awesome, I'm awesome, we're all awesome. Sometimes encouragement, the word encouragement actually means to put courage into you. It's the action of doing that. So it's a word sometimes that may come as a challenge. It may come in different formats, but always the goal is to improve. We need to be encouraging one another. There's several biblical verses for that. Number three habit, we want to grow to be, we want to grow to be more like Jesus diligently. Now, now, in this message today, you're going to see a lot of adverbs. For you guys that have been out of school for a while, we're going to have a little English lesson here, okay? Adverbs do what? They modify the verb. Kind of obvious there. So it means it intensifies what the verb says. So the verb here today is worship. That's what we are doing. It's an action. But how are we going to do it? With sincerity. That's the that's the. Adding on, the modifying, describing what the verb means. How do we do it? We encourage each other. What's the adverb? Continually. We grow to be more like Jesus. How? Diligently. It means it's something we put a lot of effort into. We meet needs of others attentively. We're not just kind of having to have someone come and get in our face and say they need help. We're looking for places to help and people to help. The other day, I was doing a little small task out in front of Grant and Alex's house, actually. And it, I say small, it was a little tough getting through it. And a guy just drove up, don't know who it was, but he said, hey, do you need some help? Of course, I said, no, I've got it covered. Because that's what all men do. But he saw I needed, could have used some help, and he offered, he stopped. We look attentively for places to need and share the gospel authentically. That's talking about our, our evangelistic efforts. The five habits we're talking about here were endorsed by the church in Acts 2, 42, up through 3, chapter 10. You can read that later. I got a lot of scripture you can read later. I can't do it all today, but I'm giving it to you to go back and read it through the week. The five habits are endorsed by Jesus in Matthew 22 and in Matthew 28. These things that the church needs to be doing that make us a healthy church. Today, we're looking at number one, worship God sincerely. There's about five verses there. I'm not going to read them all for you. You can read them later. But they all tell us that God created us to be people of worship. Worship is the foundational motivation for all that we do. Before you can serve, before you can share the word, before you can, can, can do anything else spiritually, there has to be a foundation of worship. As a matter of fact, if your heart's not sincere in the worship, it's even condemned by Jesus and condemned by the prophets. 
Worship must come from a sincere heart. Worship is the key theme of the Bible. There are nine Hebrew words and six Greek words for worship in the Bible. Makes it a pretty significant word. It's more than just one little slice that we often think of. Worship is described, commanded, and exemplified all the way from Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, it talks about they begin to worship God. And it goes all the way through the book of Revelation chapter 22. One of the last things that is said is to worship the Lord. And it's given to us through all of Scripture. Worship can be misdirected. Worship is talked a lot about in the book of Revelation. And often the worship that is mentioned there is misdirected worship. Instead of being toward God, it's toward the enemy, actually. It's toward the beast. It's toward the devil. And so the worship that we have to to give has to be directed in the right place, never toward a person, never toward anything but God. Worship must be sincere. Insincere worship is rejected by God completely. A sincere heart of worship will joyfully obey God. Worship cannot be regulated to one day or to one location. I do understand it's important that we have, in my opinion, what we would consider as a the day of the Lord and in a way that we come together and worship and do those things But can I tell you, and it may be coming up in the notes here, it is, but if you're not worshiping on Friday, then you're not really worshiping on Sunday. You're going through emotion. You're pretending. How many of you know pretend doesn't work real well with God? Worship can't be something that you do. It's not just a portion of the service that we have together. It is the continual attitude and action of worshiping and honoring God. Okay, three things for you this morning, and there's several things I'll work in here. I'm going to go quick because I want to get to the action points for us. Sincere worship, number one, is focused on God's presence. It's not about the building we're in. It's not about the music we sing. It's not about, I like this, I like that. I've heard people ask this question after service is over, how was the worship today? And often what they mean or what I perceive them to mean is, how was the music? Well, I hope you enjoy the music. But listen to me. I'm saying this kind of blunt just to make the point. It really doesn't matter if you enjoy the music or not. That's not the goal. What matters is that you recognize God is here. Pretty much, no matter what kind of music we do, somebody's going to like it and somebody's not going to like it. It's amazing. Sometimes I'll hear people say some song that they liked way back. I remember this from about, as Michael said, further back toward the 80s, then up to the 50s. But I remember back, it's probably in the 90s, actually. I remember a pastor saying one of the big, big, big songs at that point in time was Shout to the Lord. You guys remember that one? You know, just shout to the Lord, shout to the Lord. And and he said, I wonder if one day, 40 years from now, we'll have people saying to us, I can't remember the last time we sang Shout to the Lord. I wish we could sing that old great song again. And we're kind of there now. I mean, there's all these songs. And and I understand life's a little different. Thank God for the words on the screen. Because we don't sing songs repeatedly that much. 
It's kind of funny. We used to complain when we sang the same songs all the time. It's like, oh, we sing the same song that has four words, and you sing it seven times, and that was the complaint then. Listen, if you're complaining about music, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Should our music be honoring to God? Yes. Should it glorify God? Yes. Should it please you? Not necessarily. By the way, for the younger people that wish we only sang songs that have been written in the last four weeks, (laughs) Pastor Kevin does an incredible job every Wednesday night. Singing those songs, it's loud, it's, it's current, it's fresh. You should be there every Wednesday night enjoying the music that you enjoy, but more importantly, worshiping God. If you're of the, of the group that says, I just wish I could hear the old rugged, old rugged cross one more time, they do those songs every Wednesday night in the chapel. You know, I, I've heard people say, well, I don't know the last time that I heard, you know, uh, the old rugged cross. Well, what, one of the old songs. I remember, well, you just told me you never come on Wednesday night. We're going to try to do things. And Pastor Russell, God love him. He's trying to blend things together and make it something that everybody can enjoy. And normally when that happens, you make everybody where they tolerate it, but nobody loves it. It's the reality of life. We need to get our eyes off of the vehicle called music, and get our eyes on the source of our worship, who is God. And even if you don't know the songs, you can look on the screen and see the words. And when they're talking about how awesome and mighty and majestic is our God and how he has transformed us and brought us out of death and into life, we ought to shout, we ought to wave hands, we ought to praise God, for he is the source of all of our worship. We look and we focus on God's presence and we recognize he is here to help us. We recognize in his presence that he brings abundant provision. He has performed wonderful things. He has wonderful attributes and he is worthy of our praise. I don't know this is necessarily a doctrine I would teach. I don't know I have that much depth on what I'm going to say right now, but it seems to me that this is kind of the, the path it normally takes. Worship begins with an awareness of God, just recognizing he's here. Then secondly, it moves to acknowledgement of God. That's a little bit more intentional than just knowing he's here. Now it's looking at him. Now it's listening to him. Now, now it, it's drawing attention there. And when that happens, the next the natural thing that occurs is there's an adoration of God. See, God can show up in crazy places too. You read back in scripture, I'm pretty sure he was there in the den of lions. Pretty sure he was there in the fiery furnace. Matter of fact, they even document that one for us. Who's the fourth man? I'm pretty sure he was with Paul and Silas when they were singing in prison. God shows up, he is always near. And when we acknowledge that and we sense his presence, it moves us to worship. 
Worship should be bigger than your preference. Second thing, sincere worship is founded on God's character. Not just the fact that he's here, but on who he is and what he does. Abraham worshiped God as he was in obedience, taking his son to, to sacrifice his son. That's one of the most amazing words in Scripture. God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son, and he's given promise. Here's why that's important. Some of us understand the words of, of, of a, a well-known comedian of the past when he, you know, he, would, he said this to his kids. He said, I brought you into the world. I can take you out. We understand that frustration occasionally, but the reality is if you're a good parent, you would lay down your life for your child. You would protect them. You would help them. And when God gives a promise about your child, God said to Abraham that, that through your son, all nations will be blessed. Through your son will come descendants like sand on the seashore. God gave these kind of promises. Then God says, now go sacrifice your son. I don't know how you would be looking at that or how your conversation with God would go. In my own life, I'm pretty sure it would be time out. I don't understand. I need explanation. You're going to have to clarify. I can't resolve the promises now with this command. I can't make them fit together. It appears Abraham never really had that conversation with God. It appears he just walked in obedience. God said, do this, so he did it. Now, we all understand, looking now through the lens of time, back to that spot, God was preparing what we call a type, a symbol of the Old Testament, of the love that God would have toward us in giving his only son. And God actually provided a ram, which is another beautiful picture of Jesus being the lamb of God. And through all of that, we see the, the faithfulness of God. But here's the word that just is beyond my comprehension, when Abraham is talking to the servants about going up to the mountain, he tells them this, you stay here. Me and the boy are going up to the mountain, and we are going to worship God. Wow. When you don't understand not only do you not understand, but it goes against everything that you can comprehend. What are you going to do? I'm going to worship God because it doesn't have to be the right song at the right pace with the right lights. Some like it bright, some like it dim. I just, I'm glad I can see. But, but, but all of these things are going on and people are this and that and we're, we're arguing about stuff. Stop thinking about your preference and get your eyes on God who is the center of our worship. Focus on his character. Job was praising God when disaster and calamity was overwhelming him. Jesus was worshiping God in the garden before his crucifixion. Worship God at all times. Worship God in spite of your problem because God's faithfulness is greater than your problem. Let me tell you this. You know it. You know it. But let it get beyond your mind and into your heart. Don't just know it here. Know it here. Worship is the weapon that shatters the attack of the enemy. When I worship God, the problems that the enemy brings against me, they diminish. 
Because God gets magnified. When God is magnified, my problems are diminished. Sincere worship is validated by devoted action. My vision for our church in 2023 regarding worship is this. We would let nothing get in the way of worshiping God. I, I, I want to practice that for just a minute right now. This isn't in the notes. This wasn't in my earlier thoughts. But I just want to do it right now. Could we right now take one minute and could we all in this room just lift up a voice of praise and worship to God however you want. I'm going to give you six things. We're not done yet, but I want you to worship God right now. I want us to do what I just said. We'll let nothing get in our way of worshiping God. Let's worship God just for about a minute right now. Lift up your voice and give him praise. Would you do that in the room? Make a joyful noise to the Lord however you want to worship him. We bless your name, God. Oh, Lord, we glorify you. Our hearts are overwhelmed by your goodness. God, we thank you for your presence. That you've promised you will never desert us, but you will always be with us. Lord, let our hearts be tuned into you. May we worship you at all times. And through worship, God, may we see you move. God, worship tears down the walls of separation. Worship accomplishes your will. Thank you, God, for a church that will let nothing get in the way of worshiping you. Let me give you six things real quick. There's a lot of Bible references, and I don't have time to go into all of them because we're going to worship God, and we're going to have communion, and we're going to spend some time together just doing what we talked about here. Number one, what does that look like? What is the devoted action? We would be a church that prays fervently. How many of you know that to be a person who prays fervently, it requires some intentional choices? It means choosing prayer over worrying. It means choosing prayer, a little different context here, but same thing, over watching TV sometimes. Here's the interesting thing about, interesting thing about life. Every one of us in the room, we got so many differences. Some are young, some are old. As RJ said earlier, some need to lose 200 pounds some are okay where they're at. Some might want to gain a pound or two, mainly in this section over here. There's, there's distinctions. There's differences. We all have some have more money. Some have less. There are all kinds of distinctions. But one place where we're all the same, you get 24 hours every day. doesn't matter who you are. So I'm so busy. We need to stop some of the junk you're doing. Hope you got liberated right there just a little bit. And put at the top of the list things that are most important. I want to encourage you to begin your day in prayer. End your day in prayer. Pray over your meals. Not out, not out. God deliver us from religiosity that I see so often in so many people. I don't, I'm not trying to be harsh right now, but I'm talking truth to you. Where it's like prayer is this religious little icon that we have to hold up over our food. Or maybe it'll make us sick. I'm not trying to be silly here, and I'm not trying to be overstating this, but we pray a lot of things that are just really not not important, not necessary. Prayer is not a time to be funny. It's not a time to, to, to 
say things we've heard other people say lots of times. The purpose of prayer over a meal is simply this. It's to pause and to say, thank you, God, for your provision. We pray a lot of things that really just aren't necessary in those moments. Pray when you begin the day. You don't have to. God appreciates sincerity and he appreciates honesty and truthfulness in a succinct fashion more than he does you would try to impress him with your vocabulary. Remember the story Jesus gave about the, the, the one man who self-righteously declared, God, I thank you that I'm not like all of these other sinners. And then the, 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 the sinner who just beat on his chest said, oh, God, have mercy. And God said, which prayer do you think? Jesus said, which prayer do you think God heard? It's a prayer of sincerity. What if in the morning when we woke up, we said, God, thank you for giving me another day to live. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my house. Thank you, God, for all the things that, you know, if we really started listing all the things we could be thankful for, your prayer wouldn't be too short. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for salvation. What if we pray like that instead of some little rehearsed? And I'm not, I'm not even against. Matter of fact, many people would do well to read some prayer books and, and get a little, more, a little more breadth to your prayer. One way you learn is by seeing what other people do. And I'm not saying you copy from it. Here's my statement to our staff. We learn from everybody. We don't copy anybody. We're, we're originals. So I'm going to try to learn from everybody, but I'm not copying anybody. But I'm going to tell you, I read prayers. I, I read a book a couple of years ago, Prayers of the Puritans. Whew, you talk about people that can pray. My goodness. Pray fervently. Jesus, it tells us in Luke 22, was in agony in the garden. He prayed more fervently. Acts chapter 12 says Peter was in prison, but the church prayed fervently. James 5 says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently. Hebrews 5, 7, again, talking about Jesus, says during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries. Let our prayers be with fervency, with power, with passion. Look, I know, can we, can we come to a, a place of, of, of understanding here? I'm going to challenge you all the time to be the best person you can be for God and make the biggest investment in this kingdom that I can challenge you to do. And I'm not going to apologize for that. You okay with that? Thank you for the three of you that are okay with that. The rest of you are going to have to live with it anyway. <laughs> And can I challenge you not to be defensive? But there's a reality that, that, that the way we used to approach church and the things of God is a lot different than the way that we approach it today. And the picture to me is very much one of the Israelites that when they were in bondage, they didn't have anything to cling on to hardly at all. But you know where their downfall was? If you've ever studied Judges, you know it. Where did their downfall occur? When they became prosperous and all of a sudden now they weren't quite as dependent on God as they used to be 
Thank God for prosperity. I agree with Pastor Michael. We're praying it for all of you. But I'm going to put this caveat in there. Unless your prosperity moves you away from God. And then I pray he would strip you of it. We've gotten to the place where, you know, we, we used to. When I was growing up as a kid, you were scared to miss church. Can I get a witness? I was scared to miss church. Well, number one, my dad was a pastor. That wasn't happening. But I I just knew that the service I missed was going to be when the rapture happened. Come on, somebody, help me out. And if the rapture happened and I was anywhere but church, there was a 98% chance I was getting left behind. I say that somewhat jokingly, but I also say this, God put back into our hearts desire to be in your house. We pray fervently. Number two, I'm leading up to that point here. We'd be a church that attends and participates regularly in corporate worship. Let us not neglecting our meeting together, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do you realize that the writer of Hebrews wrote that 1,900 plus years ago, closer to 2,000 now years ago, And he said, we need to keep doing this even more so because the time of his return is closer now than it was before. Can I tell you, 1,900 years later, it's closer now than it was then. There is something valuable about coming together and seeing what God's going to do. It's not just the sermon. It's not just the song. It's in the time of prayer together. It's in the conversations in the hallway. It's becoming the body of Christ. And I don't know what God's going to do, but I don't want to miss it. How would you like to be the one that missed when a great miracle happened? Picked a bad Sunday not to be there. I'm not trying to get legalistic. That's what I'm saying. But don't take it lightly. It's important to be in God's house. We should be working together to build his kingdom. And the way we do that is by coming together. Colossians 3.16 talks about the body of Christ working together, teaching counsel each other with all wisdom that God gives, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. That's something that's done corporately together. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper and the prayer. Third thing, we would sing vibrantly. Psalm 95, 1, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Psalm 147, 1, how good it is to sing praises to God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. Psalm 104, I will sing to the Lord all my life. Psalm 95, 1, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Psalm 95, 2, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Some of you right now may be feeling somewhat bad because you're not that good of a singer. The Bible lets you off the hook. I think it's six times, I think if I read right in the psalm, maybe it's five, where it says, make a joyful noise. Keywords joyful, not noise. If you don't like the music on some Sundays, you can at least say, well, it was joyful. And I'm going to praise God. 
I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to let anything hinder me from worshiping God. If you don't have a good voice, just don't sing loud. But sing joyfully. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Give God praise for he is worthy. Oh, let the church sing unto the Lord. Number four. Six things I want our church to do. Pray fervently. Attend and participate regularly. Serve gladly. Romans 12, 1, and then down to verse 7. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship or your service to God. If your spiritual gift, verse 7 says, is serving, then serve others well. Psalm 102 100, verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Number five, I wish that we would give generously and joyfully. Now, these are not intended to be reprimands, obviously, in this case, for sure. But I pray we would continue on and go even further. Psalm 37, 26 says, they are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Psalm 112, 5, good will come to those who are generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. I pray that our giving would be, would be done with joy and generosity. Number six, that we would read and study voraciously. You can look that word up later if you want a little add to your vocabulary, but it means someone who has intense hunger. The way you would approach a table full of food if you hadn't eaten in a while. Some of y'all just had big tables of food, right? It's that time of year. I don't know about your house, but we do a pretty good job of clearing out the table. Our hunger is voracious. May we have that same approach toward the word of God. May we read it. May we study it. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Acts 17, 11, I love this verse. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scripture every day. 2 Timothy 2.15, study or do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. The natural tendency we all have, the habit that occurs in just people in general is we, we tend to, to move to more of a sedentary position in life. Not just physically, but, but mentally, spiritually, if we're not careful. And what happens is, instead of having the vibrancy of a new convert, we let the flame just kind of go down and down, and we say, well, we're just mature. Thank God for maturity. But with maturity, there should also be a little bit of zeal. 
And I tell you something beautiful about that. Maturity gives wisdom and, and experience. And when you add zeal to that, you have a dynamic combination. Maybe you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Christ. What a great way to start a new year off, saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus. The next five weeks, you're going to hear what that means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means today is that we worship God sincerely and fervently. You know, often in church, our tendency, and, and, and my tendency, I'll be very clear here, it's kind of observe what's going on. I kind of, uh, I kind of give that off to my pastoral responsibility. And there's probably some truth to that, but I hope more than anything else, and I'm going to make sure that it's obvious. I hope you see it already. I want to be one who leads in worship by my participation, not just in the song service. Yes, that part too. But I want to worship God in my giving, in my praying in my singing, in my serving. I want to worship God. <coughs> if you're here today, you need Christ as your Savior. The Bible says that if you will repent of your sins, He will cleanse you, He'll forgive you, make you a new person, and you get a fresh start. Just like old things are passed away, everything's now new. If you need to do that, you can do it right where you are, right there. You can come to the front. We can do those things. We can have people lay hands on you and pray for you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a very good thing. But there's not one prescribed way that it has to happen. It is simply you and God connecting, confessing of your sin, asking for forgiveness. And he promises he will do that. Here's what I want you to do all across the room right now. I'm going to come back and give it one more thought and do communion. So we're not done yet. So those of you who like to sneak out early, hang on a minute. We're not there for you yet. We're going to sing some couple songs of worship. I want you with a newfound sense of value and zeal and excitement to stand with me across this room. I want you to sing joyfully to the Lord. If you don't know the words, just lift your hands and worship. Words will be on the screen. Let's give God praise in this house. Let's give God worship.